Listener Production. G'day, g'day. You're listening to The Briefing. I am Jan Fran and today is the first day of June. Pinch and a punch for the first day of the month to you, Annika Smithhurst. Thank you, Jan Fran. Yeah, it feels pretty cold where I am today on The Briefing. The mixed messages around the COVID vaccine. Yeah, if you're confused as to which jab you or your parents can or should be getting, you're probably not alone. That level of confusion didn't really help the overall message. So maybe a bit more transparency and clarity around who was getting doses and when. Yeah, we're three months into our COVID vaccination rollout and so far only 2% of our population is fully vaccinated. So does the message need to be clearer? That's coming up in just a little bit. But first, let's make a news today. The government has asked medical experts to consider whether all aged care workers should be vaccinated against COVID as the Melbourne outbreak spreads to more homes. Yeah, so the Australian Health Protection Principle Committee uh, decided in January that there actually wasn't a need to mandate vaccinations for workers. That decision, though, is now under review. The Prime Minister and myself have asked uh, the medical expert panel to review that decision. Health Minister Greg Hunt speaking there. Yeah, so the directive comes um, as a worker at a second Melbourne aged care home tested positive for COVID yesterday and a number of other aged care homes went into lockdown after they were connected with the positive cases. Um, Epidemiologist Mary Louise McClaws told the ABC... ...has to be mandated. I believe people should have a choice, but not when they work with vulnerable people. They have to be vaccinated... So late last week, federal authorities actually reintroduced a rule preventing aged care employees from working at multiple homes after it was lifted in November. Yeah, so talk me through this because the outbreak in Victoria last year, it had some horrific consequences in aged care homes. They brought in this rule that said if you worked at an aged care home, you couldn't work at more than one. And that was, of course, to limit the spread of the virus. I actually thought that that rule had remained in place until now, but that's not the case. Yeah, so the federal government has responsibility for private aged care and state governments run public aged care homes. Now, a lot of staff don't work full time. They want to make extra cash. So they work at a number of homes. They pick up shifts where they can. Mm. Now, during COVID last year, that was not a good thing, obviously. People working across multiple sites didn't help. So that prompted the government to introduce a policy federally that that couldn't happen. Now, things were looking good in November, so they actually lifted it. Then, late last week, uh, Victoria became a hot spot. So the federal government actually reintroduced this policy to stop people working between different homes. Now, we don't know if that has been enough time to stop this spreading. There is an infected worker and those other homes are now in lockdown, but it was at a private facility. So they've reintroduced that rule now for private healthcare homes. Yes. And the problem with the latest case in Melbourne who of the worker who worked at the home is it's actually a mystery case. So we don't know how it's connected to existing infections and that's got authorities really worried. And the former Attorney General Christian Porter has withdrawn his defamation battle with the ABC, but the broadcaster is standing by the story that sparked the claim. They regret the outcome of that article. That is a humiliating back down for the ABC, no matter what way they want to spin it. That was Christian Porter speaking there yesterday. The Industry Minister and former Attorney General launched action against the broadcaster earlier this year over an online article about an unnamed Cabinet Minister being accused of an historic allegation of rape. Yeah, now the story didn't name Porter, but he later came forward 
as the minister in question and then claimed that the story defamed him. Um, We should say he has strenuously denied the rape allegations. Now, neither side will pay damages and the ABC will keep the story online, but with an editor's note saying that they did not intend to suggest that Porter had committed the alleged offence and that some readers misinterpreted the article as an accusation of guilt against Mr Porter and that that reading, which was not intended by the ABC, is regretted. Australia and New Zealand have moved to quash suggestion they're divided on China, with the leaders of both countries saying they're presenting a united front after their latest meeting. There will be those uh, far from here who would seek to divide us, and they will not succeed. That was the PM, Scott Morrison, um, speaking there after a day of meetings with New Zealand's Jacinda Ardern yesterday. Now, trans-Tasman tensions surfaced in April this year after New Zealand pushed back against efforts by Five Eyes member countries. Um, That's an intelligence alliance made up of Australia, Canada, New Zealand, the UK and the US. New Zealand pushed back against that group uh, to pressure China over human rights. Chinese state media have previously praised New Zealand for its sober approach to dealing with China. But Ardern yesterday said New Zealand was standing with Australia on human rights and trade. And staying with China, uh, the country has announced that couples will be allowed to have three children as it works to try and ward off an ageing and shrinking population. China last month recorded its slowest rate of population growth in almost 60 years, with a fertility rate of just 1.3. Now that takes it below replacement rate. Yeah, so there were officially 12 million babies born in 2020 in China. The issue is that is 2.65 million fewer than there were in 2019, which is an 18% drop. That is very significant. It's predicted that by 2050, one third of the Chinese population is to be of retirement age. So you have this sort of rapidly aging population. You're not replacing them because the birth rate is dropping. And China is uh, it's trying to, I suppose, engineer its its population. It's done it before. It's enforced a one-child policy for more than 35 years, and that was in place up until 2016. And tennis star Naomi Osaka has pulled out of the French Open, saying it would be the best thing for the tournament. Okay, she's followed through. She said she might do that. She's the Japanese former number one. Um, she was fined and, and put on notice by tennis authorities for refusing to attend post-match press conferences. She announced on Twitter that she had been suffering bouts of depression and said she would withdraw on it for her own well-being so that players and fans could get back to focusing on the French tournament in Paris at the moment. Yeah, I mean, she sort of followed through. She initially said that she wasn't going to do the press conferences and she didn't and they fined her and now she's said, okay, well, I'm, I'm totally pulling out of the tournament. And I read the um, what she sort of posted on Twitter and I, I must say, she, you know, she was really vulnerable with people. She basically said that anyone who knows her knows that she's introverted. They've seen her at tournaments and she's often wearing her headphones and that's because it helps dull her sort of social anxiety. So she was really open and honest with people. And I think if it's having that much of an effect on your mental health, she's well within her rights not to do it. Yeah, I think pulling out is probably the right thing. As soon as she announced she wasn't going to do those press conferences, it actually did what I thought it might do, which is draw more attention to it and make sort of, I guess, the hunger to get a reaction from her and for the media to get near her 
you know, even more fierce. So it probably had the reverse effect. I just think, you know, if she's got a few mental health issues at the moment, she's got bouts of depression, it's really important that she deals with that. Yeah. Um, and if this is something that's triggering it, whether it's the press conference or even just the heat of playing in a tournament at the moment, she's pretty young that she deals with that. I know that um, the authorities weren't going to back down, it seems. No, I that's right, yeah. Different tournament hosts saying that they're going to keep this rule in place. So I hope she gets um, the help she needs and then she can come back and hopefully partake in those uh, press conferences, even though they're annoying. All right, coming up. Mixed messages around vaccines. Do they need to become a little bit clearer? If more people were vaccinated, uh, we might be facing a very different set of circumstances than we are today. That is Victoria's acting premier, James Molino, speaking there about the latest COVID outbreak in Melbourne. He seems to think vaccines might have made the situation a little bit easier. Yeah, look, he said we wouldn't be in the situation that we'd be facing a lockdown if more people had been vaccinated. Now, I would love that to be true. It might not necessarily be the case. Uh, Singapore, for example, one in four people have had the vaccine, had two vaccines, in fact, and they're in the middle of a four-week lockdown. But I guess his point is that we might not have had to jump into a snap lockdown Mm. so quickly and perhaps we wouldn't have been so worried, especially about vulnerable people in the community that still don't have the vaccine, Jan. Yeah, well, I mean, this latest outbreak in Melbourne has definitely cast yet another spotlight onto our vaccine rollout. So on this app of the show, we're three months into the vaccine rollout and only 2% of our adult population has been fully vaccinated. It's pretty amazing. When you look at other like countries, they're sort of at 30% and higher. I don't know how we got this so wrong. We seem to have overcome supply issues, though, and that was what we were told initially was holding Mm -hmm. us back. But we've run into some problems with messaging. Here's Federal Health Minister Greg Hunt on January 31. We aim to have the country vaccinated before the end of October. Now, this is what the Treasurer, Josh Frydenberg, was saying in May, and I'm going to paraphrase his exact quote. He says... The assumption is that every Australian who would like to get two shots of the vaccine will be able to do so by the end of the year. So it went from Mm. a very clear goal in January of everybody vaccinated by October to an assumption that everyone who wants to get the vaccine can do so by a completely different date. Yeah, there's also inconsistency around which age group can get it and what vaccine they can get when they do decide to go and have the jab. Now, that's because the health messaging changed too. Here's Greg Hunt a fortnight ago giving what sounded like two bits of advice at once. Right now, uh, we want to encourage everybody over 50 to be vaccinated as early as possible. But we've been very clear uh, that uh, as supply uh, increases later on in the year, there will be enough vaccine of mRNA vaccines for every Australian. Yeah, if I was over 50 and listening to that, I really wouldn't know whether or not I should get the AstraZeneca vaccine or whether I should wait till the end of the year to get the Pfizer vaccine. The federal government has again revised advice in the wake of the Melbourne outbreak. It's now encouraging those aged 40 to 49 
to get the Pfizer jab. Let's wade through some of the jargon with Rachel Clunn. Now, she's the federal health reporter for the Sydney Morning Herald and The Age, based in Canberra, and she's been following this rollout very closely. Rachel, thanks for joining us. Where did it all go wrong? We were told October was the date that we would all have it. That's unlikely to happen now. So where are we at? The issue straight away was that the internationally produced AstraZeneca doses, about 3 million of those, uh, never arrived, which initially meant that a lot of people in aged care, aged care workers, disability care workers, didn't get their shots as quickly as they were meant to. Um, They were meant to get all their vaccines within the first six weeks. Um, And then in late April, there were reports of this very rare but quite serious clotting disorder that was linked to the AstraZeneca vaccine. And that led to our vaccine experts changing their advice on who could and couldn't get or should and shouldn't get that vaccine, which meant that the government had to completely change their rollout very early on. So I feel like there's there's a number of issues that you've mentioned, um, one of which was a supply problem. We seem to have overcome that, at least in the short term now. What are some of the other holdups then? Is it that people are a little bit hesitant to get the vaccine? And what's the government doing to fix that or to deal with that? Yeah, look, I think the news about AstraZeneca really, really did scare quite a lot of people. I mean, we've got our own research that found about 30% of people were either not likely or very unlikely to get the vaccine, which is which is quite a concern. Now, the government has got an advertising campaign. You may have seen um, a couple of those ads. No, very, I haven't. <laughs> well, so there's a very basic animated ad, which is just the basic facts, really. And there's another with uh, Dr. Nick Coatsworth, who's a former Deputy Chief Medical Officer. Uh, those ads are targeted at people aged 50 and over, and the government has, has told us that they're planning a very big advertising campaign focused on my younger people and culturally and linguistically diverse backgrounds later in the year as the vaccine rollout ramps up. Because at the moment, we're not getting enough mm. Pfizer or AstraZeneca to, to vaccinate you know millions of people a week. Shouldn't it be every time you go to watch Netflix, every time you listen to a podcast, every time you turn on the telly, there's an ad telling you that it's safe and to go and do it to the point that we go, I just don't want to see that ad anymore. I'll go get the damn thing. You would expect to see ads on, you know, your streaming services, maybe not TikTok. I'm not sure how um, the government feels about advertising (laughs) on that platform and maybe the people there are a bit too young, uh, generally speaking. Um, But the government's argument is that, well, they don't want younger people to go out and get vaccinated yet. We don't have those vaccines for them. So encouraging them to get vaccinated now is a bit of a misstep, I guess, is, is their argument there. Do you think there's been a bit of a glitch in the government's messaging? And what is the message? Yeah, I, I think that the messaging has been a bit confusing. At, at the start, they were saying, you know, it's okay, we don't have to race because we don't have a lot of COVID in Australia. So we can take our time with this rollout and you'll get your vaccine in coming weeks and it's fine. I guess the idea there is they don't want to scare people essentially. But I think we're at a point now because of the AstraZeneca issues and the hesitancy there and the fact that we really need older people to get vaccinated. You know, these are people that are going to get the most sick if they do get COVID. So the government's changed their messaging slightly, say, no, no, you should definitely go get vaccinated now. But then also, if you did want to wait for Pfizer, we'll have enough at the end of the year. 
you can see how people may be getting quite confused about what they should or shouldn't do, perhaps. What about in terms of you communicating this stuff to the general public? I mean, you said there that it's been interesting seeing the messages change and shift as you've been covering this well, since the pandemic began. Have you had sort of issues relaying the government's message to the general public? I think there have certainly been some days where it has been a little bit confusing. Some days there were two press conferences a day and the Mm. information would be changed. That's a lot of work for us journalists, obviously, but that's a lot for people to keep across as well. You know, I don't think everyone is checking the news as religiously as maybe we are. Um, So, yeah, it, it, it is hard to keep up with everything that's happening in the vaccine space in Australia. So where are we at with the rollout in terms of who can get it and what are we expecting to change? New South Wales and Victoria are both vaccinating people aged 40 to 49 with Pfizer and then everyone over that age with AstraZeneca. The issue is we don't have enough Pfizer in the country for the other states to really take that up as well. So far, we've vaccinated about 10% of our adult population, whereas the US and the UK, which had really disastrous responses to the COVID pandemic last year, have done a lot of vaccinating. The US has done more than 130 million adults are fully vaccinated, which is, I think, about 40% of their total population, whereas the UK has done 25 million adults, which is, again, a huge proportion of their population. The Australian Technical Group on Immunisation, they meet every week. So they've been really closely monitoring this current outbreak in Victoria to see how bad it gets and if that means the risk profile has changed. So I guess we'll have to wait and see as to whether ATAGI has changed its advice on that at all. Mm. If we look back, do you think that there's anything that the federal government should have or could have done differently in terms of messaging to speed up our vaccine rollout? I think there are some things that could have potentially been done better. You want all the states and the federal government to be saying pretty much the same thing. So that was quite difficult. And you also had doctors coming out and saying they weren't getting enough doses. They were unsure when they were getting things. And I think that level of confusion didn't really help the overall message. So maybe a bit more transparency and clarity around who was getting doses and when. And you've probably seen Naval Commodore Eric Young stand up at least once a week now to give an update on how many doses are being distributed, where they're going, who's received them and that sort of thing. So I think they're trying really hard to show that they're being really transparent about this rollout because that's quite key. So I think that's a really good step in the right direction. That was Rachel Klein. She is the federal health reporter for the Sydney Morning Herald and The Age. She talked about an interesting idea that people often feel a little bit more confident in getting vaccines when they see their friends and family getting a vaccine before them. Do you know anyone who's been vaccinated, Annika? I actually don't. Oh, I know heaps of people. Um, my parents, my in-laws, my husband, oh. um, my friends in the UK, and increasingly, because I'm in Victoria now, people over 40 that I know queued up on the weekend to get it. So raging Saturday night. So yeah, <laughs> look, I, I was always happy with the health advice. I was going to get it anyway. But I guess seeing those people around me get it, and some of them have had mm. AstraZeneca, and some of them are under 50. And yeah, they've had a sore arm or maybe felt a bit fluey. In fact, my husband had his jab before we went on our honeymoon and felt pretty poorly on the first day, but much better than getting the actual virus. And yeah, it's given me confidence at the moment I'm eligible, I'll go and get it. But 
I'm yeah. surprised you don't know anyone, but then you live in a different state where it's less of an issue. <laughs> well, that's right. And I wonder if we'll we'll start to see this sort of snowballing effect of the more people who get the vaccine, the more people who will get the vaccine off the back of those people just having seen them get it. Absolutely. It's become a real social media thing too. Everyone I know that's got it has posted it saying, you know, (laughs) did you even get the vaccine unless they posted on social media? So look, we all are really susceptible to it. We pretend we're not, but we're really susceptible to the news we read online and the things we see, those messages. So I'm all for it. Encourage it. Post it. Tell people you've got it. It's great. Take a hot vaccine selfie. That's what we need. Well, that is it for today's show. Tomorrow, mental health, suicide, burnout, why all of these things are plaguing our vets and not the vets that you would think. That's on tomorrow's show. Can't wait to have you with us. Listener.